The sermon passage for today is Psalm 68. God shall arise, and his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to his name. Lift up a song to him who rides through the deserts. His name is the Lord. Exult before him. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. O oh God, when you went out before your people, when you marched through the wilderness, the earth quaked, the heavens poured down rain before God, the one of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel. Rain in abundance, O oh God, you shed abroad. You restored your inheritance as it languished. Your flock found a dwelling in it. In your goodness, O oh God, you provided for the needy. The Lord gives the word. The women who announce the news are a great host. The king of the armies, they flee, they flee. The women at home divide the spoil, though you men lie among the sheepfolds. The wings of a dove covered with silver, its pinions with shimmering gold. When the Almighty scatters kings there, let snow fall in Zalman. O mountain of God, mountain of Bashan, O many-peaked mountain, mountain of Bashan, why do you look with hatred, O many-peaked mountain, at the mount that God desired for his abode, yes, where the Lord will dwell forever? The chariots of God are twice ten thousand, thousands upon thousands. The Lord is among them. Sinai is now in the sanctuary. You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Our God is a God of salvation, and to God the Lord belong deliverances from death. But God will strike the heads of his enemies, the hairy crown of him who walks in his guilty ways. The Lord said, I will bring them back from Bashan, I will bring them back from the depths of the sea, that you may strike your feet in their blood, that the tongues of your dogs may have their portion from the foe. Your procession is seen, O God, the procession of my God, my King, into the sanctuary. The singers in front, the musicians last, between them virgins playing tambourines. Bless God in the great congregation, the Lord, O you who are of Israel's fountain. There is Benjamin, the least of them in the lead, the princes of Judah in their throng, the princes of Zebulun, the princes of Nephtali. Summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. Because of your temple at Jerusalem, kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with the calves of the peoples. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord. To him who rides in the heavens, the ancient heavens. Behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice. Ascribe power to God, whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. Thank you, Kimberly. Kimberly came to me this morning. She goes, am I really supposed to read all of that? I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Every word. Um, this summer at Redeemer, uh, we are working not our way through the Psalms, but we're spending our summer in the Psalms. Um, 
We say this every week, but literally the Psalms are a collection of 150 prayers and songs to God. So the best way I can think of to learn to pray and to learn to sing and to learn to worship is to to spend time in the Psalms. Uh, And so today we're going to be in Psalm 68, uh, which Kimberly just read for us. Um, I do find it appropriate to let you know this Psalm has been picked for some time, so there is no... um, indirect connections that you should be trying to make to enemies of God or anything of that nature. We'll actually talk about that here in a few minutes. Um, but there is a theme that runs through the Psalms of the Lord, the Lord's people celebrating God's goodness and the Lord's people asking for God to deliver them particularly from their enemies. And so we want to navigate that today here in Psalm 68. So here's what we're going to see this morning. The Lord defends his name, his people, and his promises. And this continual work of the Lord produces ongoing faith and ongoing worship in God's people. So the Lord defends his name, his people, and his Promises. This continual work of the Lord produces ongoing faith. That's ongoing trust and dependence and ongoing worship in his people. There's something interesting in this psalm. It begins with a plea and it ends with a celebration. It begins with the psalmist asking the Lord to do something for his people, and it ends with the celebration of the fact that God does work for his people. So we see this story and this movement of at the same time, the psalmist is asking the Lord to do something, defend his name, defend his people, Defend his promises. And the psalmist is celebrating something. That the Lord defends his name. That the Lord defends his people. That the Lord defends his promises. Now, if you were drugged here today and you have no desire to listen to anything else that I have to say, like that, that's it, right there on a platter. You can go to lunch and sound informed, okay? But what we need to do is we need to go through the psalm and we need to see how the psalmist makes this appeal. So we have a plea and a celebration wrapped together in one story. So we begin with a plea. So if you want to take notes this morning, a plea. Look at verses 1 through 3 with me. God shall arise. His enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. As smoke is driven away, so you shall drive them away. As wax melts before fire, so the wicked shall perish before God. But the righteous shall be glad. They shall exult before God. They shall be jubilant with joy. So this psalm begins with a plea and a declaration 
and almost what we might call a statement of faith. God shall arise. Arise to do what? Defend his name, defend his people, defend his promises, and in so doing, defeat his enemies. So the passage says, the enemies will be scattered. They will flee before him. As smoke dissipates into the air, as wax melts in front of a fire. I mean, that's a beautiful, crazy good word picture. You're holding a candle over a bonfire. Probably hurt your hand. But the point is that God will defend himself and his people, and no enemy will stand against him. No enemy will stand against him. Now, here's an important thing for us to consider. We're not Israel. We're not a theocracy. So David's enemies were God's enemies because David was God's king. Israel's enemies were God's enemies because Israel was God's nation. Okay, you guys with me? You can't say that the University of Alabama fans are God's enemies because you like Tennessee. Unless there's a page of the scripture that I'm missing. You can't say that guy that cut you off in traffic this morning and gave you two gestures of joy is your enemy. And, well, he is your enemy, but he might, you can't say that he's God's enemy. The mistake Christians make in these psalms of justice is we assume that our enemies are God's enemies. We assume that what we stand for, God stands for. We assume that what we like, God approves. We assume that what we want, God wants. And that's just not an assumption that we get to make. But it does make reading the psalms challenging because David gets to talk that way, right? God, would you just tear down my enemies? Like, I wanted to preach Psalm 69, but I thought it would be even harder because David's just like, lift me up and tear them down. Lift me up and tear them down. Like, like, we have to do a little harder work. The enemy being talked about in this psalm is the enemy of God's work, God's name, God's word, and God's character. So ultimately what the psalmist is pleading here is, God, would you exalt your people, bring them jubilant joy, and destroy your enemies so that your people would see your faithfulness and be led to celebrate you. That's ultimately what's being asked. And if you think I'm perhaps reading a little too much in, skip down to verse 28. David continues, summon your power, O God, the power, O God, by which you have worked for us. The psalmist is pleading, O Lord, would you work for your people? As was shared here a moment ago, Lord, we know you're faithful. Would you show your faithfulness to your people? 
Would you show your faithfulness to your name? Would you show your faithfulness to your word? Would you show your faithfulness to your people? This is a psalm pleading with the Lord. And we can work our way through the psalm seeing how the plea goes. Verses 4 through 7, the psalmist reminds the people of who God is. Verses 8 and following, the psalmist tells of a time where God powerfully delivered his people and showed his faithfulness to them. Most scholars believe that that this is recounting and remembering the, the movement of God's people from Sinai, from Mount Sinai into the promised land. Psalm 24, verses 24 through 27 show of the post-victory celebration of the people in God's presence, remembering his goodness and his kindness to them. So in this plea, the plea is for God to be faithful. The enemy is those who are thwarting God's word, God's work, and God's kingdom. And the victory is one of God showing himself to be present and faithful and true and good to his people. So if we can tease out who are the enemies and what is the victory, then this psalm shows us how to come into the Lord's presence and earnestly plead before him to work for his people. Have you ever prayed for something and really thought, I have no idea if God hears this? Anybody? Nobody's going to raise their hand here. Okay, I got one person shaking their head. Cool. Um, Have you ever prayed something and thought, I have no idea if I really should even be praying this? Everybody's on that one. Okay, good, good. Have you ever prayed something and wondered, like, like, maybe, maybe not. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. What the psalmist is modeling here is a prayer filled with faith in God. And I, I missed this the first several times I read it, so I'm just going to assume that you missed it. Go back to verse 1. God shall arise, his enemies shall be scattered, and those who hate him shall flee before him. These are identically the words of Moses recorded in Numbers chapter 10, verse 35. This was what the people were to say before they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and moved it forward. The Ark of the Covenant symbolizing God's presence among his people and God's work for his people. We go forward in confidence that God will arise. God will vindicate his name and his people and his work. We can trust him. This is a plea. 
It's a crying out, but it's one filled with faith and confidence in God. It's one filled with faith and confidence in God. So friends, when it comes to this pleading before the Lord, the more we know the Scripture, the more we know what the Lord will do. The more we know the Old Testament in particular, the more we'll know the amazingly crazy good faithfulness of God. When we take up the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see that all of God's faithfulness is now brought to bear for us in Christ. And so when we remember his living and his dying and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension to the right hand of the Father, we remember that if we're in Christ, God is for us just like he was for his people, Israel. If we remember that we're in Christ, God's promises are to us just as they were to David. If we remember that if we're in Christ, our rebellion against God has been set aside and covered in him so we can plead to the Lord from a place of great faith and great hope and great confidence that God will vindicate his name and his word and his people. And we can cry out with faith. Second, this passage is a celebration. And what I mean by a celebration is it's actually written as a source of worship. I think the goal of Psalm 68 is to move you from your knees in anxiety to standing in jubilation and joy. And that comes from the dude that never does anything in jubilation or joy. Okay? I get it. But I think that's the movement of the psalm. Notice how this thing ends, guys. Verse 28. Summon your power, O God. The power, O God, by which you have worked for us because of your temple at Jerusalem. Kings shall bear gifts to you. Rebuke the beasts that dwell among the reeds, the herd of bulls with calves of the people. Trample underfoot those who lust after tribute. Scatter the peoples who delight in war. Nobles shall come from Egypt. Cush shall hasten to stretch out her hands to God. O kingdoms of the earth, sing to God. Sing praises to the Lord. Notice what he's just said there. The Lord's going to subject you all. Come to him and celebrate him. To him who rides in the heaven... The heavens, the ancient heavens, behold, he sends out his voice, his mighty voice, ascribe power to God whose majesty is over Israel and whose power is in the skies. Awesome is God from his sanctuary, the God of Israel. He is the one who gives power and strength to his people. Blessed be God. The the psalmist is moving from Asking to celebrating the fact that God works for his name, his people, and his promises. And he says, 
be filled with joy that you know and belong to the Lord. It is God's past faithfulness, God's promise keeping, and God's promise making that move God's people to celebrate who he is and what he has done for us. Friends, I'm not so concerned about your outward expression. And a lot of we introverts are like, good. But I'm very concerned about our inward disposition. We get the joy of reflecting on the world and life through the lens of those who know the God who made it, the God who sustains it, the God who's working in it, and where he's going through it. We get this freedom. We get this joy. I just want us To take verse 4, sing to God, sing praises to his name, and think, yes, because God is worthy of that. Verse 32, sing praises to the Lord, sing to God, yes, I can't withhold it. Celebrate his power, tell of his greatness, and then the psalm ends with, blessed be God, meaning may God Be exalted for who he is and what he has done for his people. At the height of who God is and what God has done for his people is the work of his son, Jesus, to take away the condemnation and the sting and the judgment of sin and death and to bring forgiveness and mercy and compassion and acceptance and a place in the family of God from this day forward and forevermore. The reality of the, to- of the scripture is this. We can read Psalm 68 as an enemy who will be scattered. Or we can read Psalm 68 as a worshiper who's been delivered. And the invitation to be on the, the worshiper who's been delivered side of that dichotomy, Jesus extended to everyone. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So if you're here today, and what you feel ever before you is doubt, questions, fears, out-and-out unbelief, out-and-out rebellion against God, there are warnings in every sentence of this psalm. There's also invitation in every sentence of this psalm. 
I can't help but believe that, that if that's you today, you're in this room to hear this message and hear that Christ's work on the cross is enough to make you a child of God and a friend of God who is welcome in his presence. And if that's where you are today, like, like stop listening to me and start speaking to God now. Ask him to deliver you or come and talk to me after this service. Or there's a table out those doors to the left with resources about who Jesus is. And there's someone near that table that would love to talk with you and pray with you and encourage you. But let this be the day that, that the goodness of God becomes a joyful celebration because his goodness is poured upon you in belief and in faith. Our Father and our God, we pray now that you would take these words from your scripture. And as much as they're good, as much as they're right, as much as they're true, not the words from scripture, but the words that I have spoken, as much as they're faithful to your word, we pray that you would cause us to hear them and to believe them. Lord, would you take this psalm and would you do great work in your people? Fill us with faith. Fill us with celebration, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.